Hey good people, this is Sharika, EB, and Sabrina. You're listening to The Kickback. Glad you decided to pull up. What's good, Kickback family? We are already in the third month of the year. Time is flying. Time is moving. It Mm -hmm. is crazy. And I don't know how you break up your year, but in my world, I try to break it up with the 12 months. So we're essentially coming to what some would consider, in a sense, the ending of the first quarter of the year. Um, So, you know, or maybe not. Well, kind of, if that makes sense. However you break it up, because some people break it up differently. Um, and some of y'all work on your fiscal years and you, you rotate it from October. So, but for me, we, we get into that point where, you know, you start thinking about where are you at with life? Where are you at with your word of the year? Where are you at with your goals? Where are you at with your temperature? I am here with two of my favorite people, Sharika and Sabrina. They'll tell you how they're doing. I'll tell you that my temp is good. Sitting at about an 85 and I do not have a song for you guys today. Sharika, Sabrina, how y'all feeling? I am feeling so good. I definitely have a song. I should probably start with my 10th first. It's another Sunny in 75. I had a great Black History Month. I'm sure when we get to our Let's Talk About It session, section, I will elaborate on some of the things that made it I'm going to say it was still great, but people who just had to show out during Black History Month, don't worry. I have some FUs reserved just for you, but I'm still feeling very happy because this is my man's birthday month. And you two both who are married, one thing you love more than almost anything in the world is your spouse and something about the birthday just gets me so excited. So my man will be turning 36 tomorrow. It's wild. We're getting past the mid-30s. And I'm so excited because in March, in this area, there's also something called the Strawberry Festival. And he's the one who put me on to the fact that he wanted to go see Ludacris. Now, I'm not going to lie. I know, like, one Ludacris song, What's Your Fantasy? Shout out <laughs> to my mom and dad because they we used to sing that song at the family. I will say, like, when you're a kid, you be singing stuff or you watch stuff on TV that you really don't get, like, what it's rated until you're older. But I remember because my family would have, like, these dance parties Friday night. Like, my parents would play music and we just dance and act a fool for hours. But I remember all of us being, like, backseat windows up. So that's the only one Chris song I know. And I know the Justin Bieber dum thing. He's a, he featured on that, and that little Christmas song is everything. So I'm excited. I'm going to see Ludacris on Saturday at the Strawberry Festival with my man. But I'm also going to see Sarah Evans the same day because you know North Carolina girl, love me some country music. Can't wait. Real fun place to start. Love you, Sarah Evans. That's a good classic throwback. And then the next Friday we're going to see Train, and then the next Friday we're going to see. Have on stage. Shout out to Sharika for putting us on. Then the next day, we're going to head to Orlando and see some of our friends who live there. And then some of my friends from North Carolina are coming down that Sunday. We got a little Airbnb situation. We're going to hit up Disney, then Universal. So I'm feeling very blessed and highly favored just to be able to spend time with my friends. And I feel like this birthday month for my husband is going to be like epic because almost every weekend, we got stuff going on and he's always had a job where they receive a bonus based on the company's performance. 
I just stepped into this when I got into my new career. And March in the corporate world, y'all, is bonus month. So it's really about to be lit. So I'm feeling very blessed. I'm feeling very excited. Um, and my song is definitely Go Girl, It's Your Birthday. Open wide, no, you're thirsty. Say, ah, listen, I don't drink. I don't, I don't like it. I'm not going to say I've never drank before, but I, it's just not me. I'm not like somebody who likes the taste, likes the feeling. I feel like I can't even get drunk. I don't know. Maybe my mind, my will. I'm just like, I want to be a sober mind. That's what the Holy Spirit says to me. But, you know, my man, he wants to get a little tipsy. And he grew up Catholic. So before y'all try to comfort him about the covenant and all that, he didn't sign no papers. So he's good. So that's why that's my song. I lo- love the energy of that Trey Song song. I remember strolling with my sorority sisters to that song. And it was just a vibe. So that's my song. Honestly, it feels like my song for the month because I feel like, like I said, it's a whole month of celebrating Doug's 36th birthday i'm also excited because i get to see my mom this weekend um it's not for you know i'll be in north carolina because actually on the opposite end of that one of my sorority sisters just lost her mom so i'll be there for the funeral on monday but it's very quick i'm just flying in sunday gonna stay at my parents house go to the funeral flying back home monday um monday night I'm going to get to hang out with her and my dad. And, you know, my mom loves to keep two or three jobs. So <laughs> she'll be working for most of the day Sunday. So my dad and I are going to go bowling, have a little daddy dar day. And, you know, uh-huh. I might see my brothers. My brothers, they be in and out. So no guarantees. But I'm just feeling very happy today. Sharika, how are you feeling? Girl, after hearing how you're feeling, girl, I'm feeling great. Actually, I was feeling pretty good before. Um, I love Ludacris. He is one of my favorite rappers. I know are you, you were kidding? Talking- no, he is one of my favorites. What does he think of my, what's my fantasy? Because so many people are like excited to Move. see him. Get out the way. Get That's girl. him? Huh? I didn't know. I didn't know that that was him. I know that song. So many songs. I'm saying you probably know. You probably know more songs, Sabrina. I can tell you that. He he, H's in different area codes. Uh I was gonna say what what era was what 2000s? What there was an era where Ludacris girl every every song was a Ludacris song. He was on every he every top song and. Oh, my chick bad. That's one of my favorite ludicrous songs. Song. My chick bad. Okay. My, you know that song? My chick bad. Yeah. yeah okay. We okay. That <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah. That is one of my favorites. Um. And I, you know, stand up. There's a lot of good ludicrous songs. Uh. Yeah. So I just like his energy and style, and he seems so much like fun and happy like he wasn't like a gangster rapper where you know where he's really talking about the street life and things like that he's talking a lot about girls but it was like mostly like a fun good time so that's why i like ludicrous uh um so i have yet to go to the strawberry festival i that is something i would like to do at one point in time sabrina was sending me all kinds of concerts and stuff but there's a lot of conflict with my schedule but you know what? Maybe I'll figure out some time I can maybe sneak away and have some time at the Strawberry Festival because I've yet to go. 
on um, Saturday night and see Ludacris, girl. The thing is, I have a my cousin's birthday party is Saturday, and I don't know. Oh no, that's more important. Mm-mm, family so first. That's so that's how I was like, yeah. my schedule is like we got actually I said the CC one is one and the ludicrous one were both ones that uh that you told me about that I couldn't go to either one of those but um I'd really be I'm it's the strawberry festival and to me I'd be like what's the food situation gonna be like a festival strawberries it just sounds like a good situation for food and they have good music there so that does sound like fun uh my temp is uh 73. I, I'm doing good. It's been a good week. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, I did have a song. Now, the song does not, the energy of the song is my mood, but the content of the song is not my mood, if that makes sense. But it's Rihanna, Be Better Have My Money. Uh, nobody owes me or anything <laughs> like that, but just the swag and the, like, if you're going to come, you like, you need to come correct. If you're coming for me, you got to come all the way correct. And I love that energy. And huh, I wish I cursed more because I feel like I can't even get the full vibe that I want because I don't really curse. But, you know, I do enjoy listening to that song. So that is my tip. That is my uh, song. Sabrina, one of my <laughs> favorite things on this podcast is when you hand out your FUs. It just makes me laugh so much. And they're always warranted and they're always a good time. So I cannot wait to hear who you who you handing them out to today. Well, uh, up first, which you all have probably heard of this. Do y'all remember the Dilbert comp? comments or cartoons they weren't really comments but I remember them back when like my parents used to get the paper believe it or not one of my mom's my mom's stay working uh my mom reminds me of Evie's wife because one thing um she's going to do is get her money and get her life and have her life in order Mm -hmm. but she was she had a paper route when we were little and she passed out paper and I used to love to look at the little comments it was like a guy going to work. Does this sound familiar to either yeah. of you? He had like a ball head. Yeah, he had a ball head and like three little bumps on the top of it. Yeah, and little, his and little just a work, work shirt and tie. Yeah. Evie, do, does this sound familiar to you or like not at all? Yes, ma'am, it does. Oh, okay. Great. So we're all familiar with it. Our first red flag should have been the fact that I don't ever recall seeing a person of color in those cartoons. Do y'all? No, no, not, not off the top of my head. Not, I would have thought that I would have right. myself. Right, no. but I never really thought about it because for a good portion of our country's history, that was just very common. You weren't going to see people color in advertisements on TV unless it was like BET. That just wasn't really that common, so I never really thought about it. But recently, he decided to get his behind on... <laughs> his podcast or some form of a podcast and make this blanket statement about black people and people of color saying that basically we should be avoided at all costs because we are a terrorist group. If black people feel like white people shouldn't be trusted, then black people should be avoided at all costs. He was talking about this survey. I can't even remember what company did the survey and they asked people of color 
do you feel like white people can be trusted? And hey, I'll tell you right now. No, most of y'all can't be trusted. <laughs> That's just what it is. And on what level? I will tell you what level. It is the microaggressions that many, many white people are not even aware of that makes me feel like there is a level of defense that I must have and be ready to correct the people from the Caucasus Mountains when they come at me with the ignorance. It's just happened so many times in my life. Side note, I mean, I'm not sure if I've already mentioned this on the pod, but, you know, people have sent me so much about the Asbury Revival because they know I used to go there. And I left because of the racism I was experienced. Point blank, period. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. I'm from a small town in North Carolina, but the most hatred, discrimination I ever experienced for the first time I was like, oh, this is not a thing in the past. This is a thing in the present. Was that that Christian University in Wilmore, Kentucky, where they put black beside my name when I was with the choir because they had to warn the churches we were going to that the choir had a black person in it just in case the churches didn't want to house a black person. And that was not in 1950. It wasn't 1920. That was 2008. So people have been sending me things about that. And I felt very torn in my spirit about it because one, I'm not going to speak against a great movement of the Holy Spirit. Most of our biblical heroes had something messed up going on with them. Moses, you know, Mr. Thou shall not kill was killing people because he saw them mess with the Israelites before he even left Egypt. David would kill the man so he could sleep with his wife. Like, humans are human. So I was trying not to really bring this aspect into it, but I was listening to a podcast of a pastor I respect and his brother was saying that the revival kicked off when the Asbarians had a moment where they acknowledged their, the horrible way they have treated black people and people of color. They had this moment, this where they came to God with a contrite heart and they were like, we have done this group of people wrong in this particular city, Wilmore. It has a nasty history of racism, and we repent. That was a kickoff. I'm not seeing that in a lot of places on the social media and everything. But before that, they had that revival. They were like, yeah, this was wrong. And I don't know if it was a part of a Black history moment or anything like that. But how dare that Dilbert creator act like there is no reason that the mistrust should exist? I was at a point when I was at that school where I told the little white boy who liked me, I don't think white boys. And at that time, really, I didn't. <laughs> it was just like, I'm, that's not really my thing. I, 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 growing up, I wasn't like, oh, yeah. I'm sure the little this and that person on the TV, Leonardo DiCaprio, I mean, some of them caught my attention, but I wasn't like happy for, you know, the white boys. Not even that I'm saying that they were all ugly to me. I just wasn't even thinking of them in that way. And at Asbury, I was like, after everything I've gone through with white people, I will be damned if I make this a part of my family. <laughs> like, if I intentionally do that. Like, no, thank you. My life is too good. And in other places, things just move too great for me to even, like, welcome this sort of energy. I've got to get out of here. So there's a reason for the mistrust, sir. When you think about my father, who grew up in Enfield, North Carolina, and they told him, they were taking his brother out fishing and the KKK drowned him. That's not made up in play play. That is real history of my family. So yes, growing up, my father would always say, no matter what you do, Sabrina, I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much they smile on your face. You'll always be a nigger to them and don't forget it. There is a reason for the mistrust. I could go on and on and on and on, 
but I'm not going to. So an appropriate response from him could have been, it is heartbreaking that there has been so much harm done to black people that 60 or whatever the percentage was percent believe that we can't be trusted. But no, you're going to, you're trifling behind. Your response is don't associate with black people because they're a terrorist group that, you know, if they feel this way about us, we're not safe. Negro, we're not safe. <laughs> have, you, have you looked at what you're done to our neighborhoods? Have you looked at the, you know, the most people who are on welfare in America, they love to, when I say they, I'm talking about the media, push out this narrative about the black welfare queen and the black mom who has six different baby daddies. I know so many black moms, my mom included my sorority sisters, who most of them have their doctorate, whose mom worked two to three jobs. I have several white friends whose moms are trying to get on welfare. The most people in welfare in America is a white woman. But you don't hear that. You don't see that story being pushed. And no, this is not me saying white women are trash or anything like that. I'm just saying what the facts are. And what is being pushed in the media. And then you want to wonder why we can't trust you. Your very statement is why I can't trust you, Mr. Dilbert creator. Because you're once again trying to play into the narrative that black people are on the move and on the rise to kill all the white people to put you in your place. We're not. We're really just trying to be out here with our black girl magic and our black boy joy. Honestly, honestly, (laughs) we're just trying to live. We're like any other people and we have the nuances and the diversity. You know, there are some white people who hate white people. There are some white people who hate black people. There are some Asian people who hate Mexican people. There people hate people and they'll find reasons, but every time you try to lump us all together as a group, it is dangerous. And history shows when you try to lump people as a group and then dehumanize them, that is right before the trouble starts. All the it We've always had hatred and racism from the time, from the beginning of time, right? But mm-hmm. when I think about the heights of it and how loud their voices got during the Trump era, and I'd like to think after the Biden administration, their voices are getting quieter, but some of them are just getting louder. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a violent person. I said last week, if I was ever in a fight, I don't know that he, he kind of pumped me up because I'm like, I do have endurance. I could go outside and run three miles right now. No problem. So maybe I'm mm. gonna lose. I don't know. But stuff like that, like, makes me feel like I could definitely turn a violence easy. If I, if it just took one violent act for me to get rid of thoughts and hatred like that, then absolutely. Because how dare you? And then I'm seeing people in the comments co-signing and saying things. And unfortunately, even if one or two people in my own circle mm. saying things like, "Oh." Well, this person who has black DNA won't really be black because they're growing up in the suburbs. Are you effing kidding me? The suburbs don't, you know, I I could just go on and on. And you ask me why black people feel like white people can't be trusted. Because at the end of the day, if the people in my own church at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement aren't posting to affirm that Black Lives Matter, but they're posting about how we should kneel to a flag, I feel like I can't trust you, period. And I'm not sorry. So there's an F you to the Dilbert creator and everybody who co-signs on this racist, 
discriminatory messaging. And I will not take it back. And I do not feel guilty. And Holy Spirit, if I'm wrong on any of this, I pray the Holy Spirit convict my heart. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart are honorable in God's sight. But I really feel like right now there's no conviction to be had over here in Summer, Summer Haven Drive. I feel like we're good. But that thing, Sharika and Evie, that thing had me so hot. Like I was listening and I thought it was a joke what he, he was saying, the way he spent that narrative. I don't know. Sharika, did you hear about this? Evie, did you hear I, about this? I had not heard about it, but just the fact where you, you're saying that you don't understand why people say, you know, why Black people say white people can't be trusted. Like, I, sir, how do you, when we got here, you know, we didn't decide, hey, you know what, let's all go to America for a great time. Come on now, sir. If you just even take it back to that that part before we get to all the other stuff, just that part alone will give you the answer you need. And um, yeah, it's kind of crazy that it's crazy that the the mindset that people have. Somebody has sent that um, to me after they had sent the NPR article that was discussing it. So I just want to say thank you to those who have some form of ownership or leadership of it to, I guess you could say, disassociate um, themselves and drop the Dilbert's comic script just because we sometimes live in a world where there's no accountability when actions like these take place. And then we just try to either either shove it down people's throats where you have to deal with it or we shove it under a rug. Um, but it's not always where people hold people accountable for their actions and their words. So um thankful for those who have been able to hold them accountable. But I briefly heard about it, but it, you know, it wasn't something that took too much, I guess you could say, um, from me because I live in a country where racism is in a sense abounding, so to speak. And I don't see it changing anytime soon within the world that we live in, but it's always good to see where people are held accountable for their actions. Yeah, and uh, and on that same vein, Evie, he a lot of people dropped him last year in 2022 because it was just last year that he introduced his first Black character, which was an engineer called Dave. And guess what? According to the comment, that engineer identified as white. So you never have a Black character. Then when you introduce one, because he's an engineer, I don't know if it's because he's an engineer, but you're saying that the character identifies as white. Like, sir. How, how does the, what? I, I'm so confused. So the character, he's saying the character identifies as white, but yeah. you, sir, were the one that drew the comic and colored in the complexion of the character, did he not? Well, Sharika, having no desire. Actually, I probably would have a conversation with him because I'm kind of like Evie. I sometimes I love those controversial conversations with somebody whose mindset is so different from mine. Not because I think I'm going to change it, but because I'm really curious how you got here. But that being said, I think that character is another comment on oh, when there's a black person who goes against the negative stereotypes, then they get it from white people they're no longer black and this character is an engineer mm. and now he's working in this space with all these white people so he's white 
where Sabrina likes Sarah Evans. So she's white. Or this white person wears these sneakers. So this white person is a wigger. He's black. Instead of just acknowledging the truth in front of their eyes, that we all come with different personalities, uh, different taste in music, different taste in food, but it doesn't take away our DNA. It just doesn't. There's nothing. I think I joked about it one time on the podcast when I said something about a music or something I like. And I was like, and guess what? I'm still black and you cannot take my black card. I know some people black and white would really want to for, for many reasons. Maybe the fact that my voice is high pitched. Maybe the fact that, oh, and God is funny. I did end up marrying a white man. But you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> They really would want to. But guess what? Just like Jenny from the block, I'm still Sabrina from the hood part of Rocky Mount with a black, like a mom who's a civil rights activist and a black father, real, real dad, stepdad, both black, blackity black, black. And I have black pride and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. Nothing. <laughs> I will sing the Taylor Swift songs and still get to be black. That's okay. So yeah, that was, um, that was the thing that had me hot this week. But the thing that had me hot on the upper end. Hold on, before you go, go to your next thing. I was looking up like, how long has this? Because when you, I'm like, yeah, I do remember Dilbert. He's been doing this comic strip since 1989. Oh, 19, a year after I was born. 89. <laughs> and, and Sarah, you, it's 2023 now. And you, you, he has not learned anything along the way. That's just really disappointing. Is it though? Are are we surprised? Well, I'm not saying I'm I'm, I'm not surprised, but it's disappointing. Yeah, it's disappointing. It, yeah, I, I yeah, I think I, yeah. it's the fact that he is trying to push this thing of being like, <clears throat> okay, so the statement that was in the survey was it's okay to be white. And some people are like, I don't know. It's kind of suspicious. So I don't want to misrepresent mm-hmm. the what was said in the survey. It wasn't like, can they be trusted? It was like, is it okay? Mm-hmm. And only a slim majority of the Black Americans who did the poll agreed with that statement. And then because of that, he went on. We don't, I don't know any Black people who did this poll. I know polls work in a way that represent the people, blah, 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 blah. But then from there, the Dilbert creator went on to say that Black Americans are a hate group, and he advised white people to get the hell away from them. Sir, if we could get the hell away from you, in most cases, honestly, that would be the absolute vibe. I can't tell you how many situations I've been in when I've been the only Black person in the room, and I'm like, I wish I could get the hell away from here. (laughs) A Sunday school class where the teacher literally was saying, Black people weren't in the Garden of Eden. We were on the outside. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's what I'm saying, sir. So what I've seen in my life, and maybe I would love to get someone like him on the pod. (laughs) Because we do know someone like him. Oh, oh, oh my gosh, we do. Um, And I'm genuine when I say something like that, because I'm just so curious how they come to these conclusions that Black people are the ones you must really avoid. When the hatred and the vitriol, Trayvon Martin was going, doing his own thing and he was followed by the mm. um, Central Park Five. Mm. Um, the Black people who are sitting in the restaurants when we said we're not doing the whites only thing anymore. 
the black girl trying to go to school when we said integration is going to be a thing here now. Mm. And now you're trying to play like you're part of the most peaceful and quaint little group. And the black people are so scary and so violent. No, we, the history shows you what's, I saw the January 6th people. There are memes with the starter pack. And it's not the stereotypical black items in the starter pack. That's all I'm trying to say. So that's the crazy thing. We are not a hate group. Are there hateful white people? Sure. Are there hateful white people? Sure. But sir, that was really a stretch. So that was the biggest and the longest mm-hmm. F.E. Sorry, I know we took like 15 nope. minutes on him. Listen, it had to be said. It had to be done. I'm not mad at it. to be said. Oh, I remember the other point I was going to make. Um, cause I've seen both in my life, even before I met Doug and he was introduced to like my family. Cause I have an eclectic group of friends. Sometimes I'm with a group of friends and we're all black or people of color. Sometimes I'm with a group of friends and I might be one or two of black people or people of color in the group. But what I've experienced in my life is that usually when white people are in a group of black people, we're celebrating them. Or we're not making them feel any kind of way. Or you all see it with uh, social media. If a little white girl, a little white boy does something that is stereotypically black, like sing the gospel song or does a rap, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so incredible. You turn the table and you bring a little black boy or white girl trying to do some country or something, and then it's a problem. Mm. So if any group has been more inclusive, it's been black people. Now, I will say... We're uh, jovial people. We love to laugh and have jokes. And jokes will be made about potato salad and apple salads and stuff like that. And mm-hmm, that might mm-hmm. be, maybe that can feel pretty harsh, but it's better than when I'm with a group of white people and they're saying racist, crazy things or asking me stupid questions or trying to touch my hair. Like, I don't see white people doing that. Okay. So just, I mean, we could talk the whole hour on this. We don't have to. One more time, sir, you have it. You have it wrong. If anybody should be avoided, it's you. Mm. Now, on the other side of that, did you all see the NAACP awards? I did not see the awards. What was I doing on? I don't. It was Sunday, wasn't it? Highlights, anyway. but I did not watch the award show. I did okay, not see so the show. Okay, so Ed, what were some of your highlights? Um, it was some. What was trending the other day? Something was trending on Twitter. When I say Twitter, um, on Instagram. Yikes! Off the top of my head, I'll let you think, Eb, and I'll say uh, I didn't watch the NAACP awards, but I did uh, see my friend win an NAACP award. He was at the dinner, and y'all know I'm talking about my friend Kev on stage, who is definitely an award winner. And that is my highlight. Even though I didn't see the show, I was all into the little everyone who posted videos about the dinner when he won, all the different point of views listening to him talk about his speech his whole everything that was my highlight eb if i don't know if you've come that, i'll say that was one of them it was the way he did his speech and the way he honored his wife that was one of them that i saw like in a sense and i say trending as on instagram you don't really have trends on instagram as you do on twitter but where a lot of people shared the video um on their stories and then the wearing way to gabrielle union winning the i don't know if it was president's award or they won some award um and that was a moment because it just highlighted just, I guess you could say their advocation, I don't even know that, their advocacy yeah. for their child and for people who 
live a similar life as their child. So those are two of the highlights that stuck out to me. I didn't see it either. I just saw the highlights and then I was really excited for Kevin Stage, who Shriek already mentioned, um, for getting that award. But I was curious if either of you knew more about the history of the awards or feel like that award holds the same prestige as some of the other award shows because I'm thinking, I don't even know where I would have gone to watch it. Now, to be fair, I didn't watch the Grammys. I haven't watched the Grammys or the Oscars or the Emmys in a really long time. But I wonder, like, with the NAACP awards, is it broadcast on all major networks or? On all major yeah. networks, no. But also, I think part of the challenge is, and I don't got all the answers, but I think part of the challenge is even we as a people, you know and I'm saying we as a people of African descent, I think they even put those other awards on a pedestal um, mm. because of just a, because of the maximizing, because of the marking of it, because of the promotion of it. But like, I've never heard somebody say, I need to win this NAACP award, but they'll definitely say, I need to win this Oscar. I need to win this Grammy. I need to wear even this Tony, so to speak, um, or even like the Soul Train Awards or like BET Awards or mm. the Hip Hop Source Awards. Like you never really hear people Man, I can't wait that I win me a, a source award. I can't wait that I hear a B, win a, get a BET honor. Um, so we as a people put our, it's kind of like a Chuck and Jive show. If you, like, you don't want to discredit those who have won Grammys or any other, what we would consider major awards, but it's like you see them in a sense of I'm putting my talent, my work ethic, my body of work into the hands of somebody else to not all of them, but for some of them to acknowledge the greatness of that. And I think we even do it as people on a podcast. I think we talked about it a couple couple weeks ago when we were talking about Beyonce, of like how she's only one, like how she won this many, but then how in certain other categories, like never won this either this specific award or nobody else have won with so many other talented people. It's just like, but you probably would never hear us debating on who should win the Entertainer of the Year Award or the Outstanding Motion Picture Award when it comes to the NAACP Awards. But I'm pretty sure it's not on every major network just because. Like what black thing do you know that they put they would put on all major networks? Like that would never happen. Not in this world, not in this country. I would say that I I can understand why the emphasis may not have been on the NAACP. Not that it's not as warranted, but I'm just saying that because the when you win an Oscar or Grammy, all those kind of things, it directly ties to how you can now monetize any project or anything that you do. And and the reason why that is, is because most of those dollars have been white dollars. So they have been the mm. one that says, hey, we value this award. And if you happen to receive this award, then we now your value went up in our book because we have deemed this to be the standard or the, not the standard, but the, what you should strive for. So I can see why, you know, that has been people's goals to get those awards um, because they, it directly ties to their monetization and how they, you know, and how they've seen it as valuable or prestigious in their field. Um, I have heard lately that people are, have been, some uh, artists have been talking about the awards that actually come for, from their people, uh, such as the NAACP awards and stuff like that, or BT, because they're like, hey, this is from us, to about us, to us. 
So you have heard it's not the main thing, but that's more, I think, a pride of your culture and thing. But I don't think that if you win an NAACP, I, I mean, I can't be for sure, but I don't know if now your stock goes up if you win an NAACP award. I'm not sure about that, but I think it is prestigious in the Black community, but I don't think it's as recognized uh, across the board um, as much. Oh, well, obviously so, not a, not close to any of the, you know, Oscar, Grammy, Tony, all those awards. So I would slightly disagree on the monetization. I can't speak for everybody in everybody's pockets because also we all know that some of these stuff happens based off of the network that people have as far as their peers or how they play their role within any group, whether it's organizations, whether it's races, whether it's businesses. But like, I want to say Academy Awards or Oscars, I want to say Morgan Freeman only has one and he's arguably one of the world's greatest actors. So, mm-hmm. and financially he's on par with like, like I say on par, like he would probably be on the upper echelon of at least those of African descent. Definitely like probably right under like the Will Smith and I would say Denzel, of course. Um, now, the other spaces of those of European descent or European Americans, so to speak, like they run a lot of those motion pictures. Now, if if anything, what could possibly happen in a case like if it was the same thing as far as it tapping into people's pockets, which I don't think it does that. I might be wrong, but I don't think that I don't think people are hiring people based off of their Oscars, Oscar nominations. Um, no, when you win, that that was like part of the whole like Monique controversy was about because they're basically saying you we 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 not recognize you but not val- validate you but it's almost like people's money go up when I win a Grammy you can't charge me what I won but you can't charge me what I was asking for before I won the Grammy because now y'all told me I didn't made it to this level people that is a thing. That's for some people, but you can set your price right now with no Grammy. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I would and who's going to pay it? Like, it's that's not what like, I'm saying. They're saying that's you're up to now you to valid. know your own word. Like, well, even yeah, Monique, but you can't pay yourself. You're trying to get the people to pay you, and they, yeah, you might true. say I'm worth two million dollars, but if I'm and, and nobody's willing to pay you two million dollars for whatever you have, well, is it worth two million dollars? Because the so dollar me, well, is what people are willing to pay for it. Now, does that, now I'm not talking about intrinsic value. I'm talking about the value of the, if, if I break, bake a cake and somebody's willing to pay $2 million for that cake or somebody's only willing to pay $2 for the cake, like if I'm going to take the $2 million, then now my cake is $2 million cake. That's just how no, it I is. get that. I'm saying I would love to see, which I would just have to do more research on it, but I would love to see somebody within the past five to seven years who won a Grammy or won an Oscar or won anything of what we would consider mainstream, mainstream media around the globe, or at least of some form of power structure when you compare them and see what happened with them after winning that Academy Award, that Oscar, like did they get more films or did they make more music or that they go on a major tour because I just don't think those things necessarily, I guess you could say coincide. That's just like, I, I don't, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a correlation with that. And I know you mentioned Monique, the thing with Monique was, and I don't know all the details because I'm not in her game room. I'm not part of her team, but most of her thing was towards people of African descent. Like it wasn't no major corporations of European Americans who she was blasting on the blog sites or blasting in the, 
in her interviews. Like it was mainly against like a Tyler Perry and Oprah and Lee Daniels. So like, I don't know if I would necessarily go on that one. Um, and I also, because of their stories, from what I understand, seemed like that was an isolated incident and it wasn't necessarily people cop blocking her. They just weren't hiring her, but I don't think they weren't hiring her because she didn't have an Oscar or an Academy award or no. anything of that nature. So not like, that. Oh, I wasn't okay. saying because of that. I was saying that she, her thing was, um, she was saying that because she won this, she normally would have been afforded more opportunities. But because of all the backlash that she had saying that she's a difficult person to work with, she causes these problems. She should have did this. She didn't do what the network wanted her to do. That diminished her earning potential because normally when you do win these awards, you your earning potential goes up. And so she's saying, yes, her com- her issue was with the community and the narrative that they were spinning about her, but that that ended up basically jeopardizing her normally gotten right after that big win. Yeah, I would have to get more, um, more uh, well, of course, for myself personally, more research on it, but I would have to get a, a, a larger sample pool. Because I don't, I don't think those things. I don't think those. So why do you think people want the awards then, Evie? Just to have a trophy on their wall? Yeah, people do it for acknowledgement. Like you put in hard work, you want something. That's just like work. Like when I'm working, like like not me specifically, but people come to work every day and they would hope to get acknowledged. Like some people will be, they'll be okay with a gift card to Starbucks to be like, thank you for acknowledging my hard work. Now some people would prefer a raise, absolutely. But I don't think people sitting there like people. If one person get acknowledged and another person don't, and they're like. Well, I do the same thing. Why didn't why didn't say nothing to me? But I don't think it's just. I, I'm just saying I would have to do more research. I'm not saying it's not true, but I don't think those correlations on films like it's people who come out like okay, let's use it, the independent films like the, the ones who did Get Out like they did that on their own and it blasted all these other stuff. Some of these actors of the movies that we've been watching, like the ones from the other day of like not recently because I think Black Panther or Wakanda Forever won an NAACP award, but those individuals like they they won that when did i don't know chatwick's whole resume but when did he win his first oscar look at all the films that he were in before um black he, panther really blew up he was well, in other I mean, films I, before I that but people didn't really died. i don't know people, if he won before people, but i'm not saying that you can't make it without these awards i'm not saying that i'm saying yeah you could do a million films and things like that and you could be a popular uh actor morgan freeman like you mentioned i'm not saying it's every you know that that um you won't be able to be successful without these awards. No, but we talk about, but it is, you know, but those awards do basically, I don't want to say legitimize, but it basically gives you that cachet uh, because you have been recognized. Now people like, if I say you're the best actor of the year, well, you don't think that means more people will want to work with the best actor. I mean, it's like, okay, this person's work has been recognized. More people will want to to use that, to work with that person. And when more people want to use, work with that person, the value goes up because now you're trying to bark, you know, you know, get that person to come onto your project. So you're saying you don't want to be outbidding other people who want to go for that same person. Like that's how it works. So like, that's just like normal. Like if you're saying this is the best cake, everybody's, then people are going to, say, well, I want you to sell it at my store. Oh, well, if you want it, well, I want it at my store. Well, then you have to pay this amount and it goes up and goes up. That's just like how things go. But I mean, hey, I mean, that's, I feel like has been a lot of the talk that I have seen on social media and when I've heard about the awards and stuff, that's what a lot of people 
talk about, but, um, you know, I'm not saying it, it, it will stop you from growing or stop you from doing whatever you need to do, but I say it helps and it does raise the value of people's work and projects. And I would say it disagrees only because I, okay. we don't have and evidence. We can, and we can agree to disagree. Because <laughs> we don't have evidence. You don't have evidence of like people charging more. So it's like, that's only, that would be opinionated of like, hey, before okay. I won this award, I was charging half a million. Now that I won this award, I'm charging a million. So if you don't have data on that, we can't just throw out blanket statements like that. I I, I disagree, but, and that's good. We need to have a difference of opinion from time to time. Yeah, we, Honestly, we I'm just here for the outfits. That was the real reason I brought up the NAACP <laughs> because the yellow outfits that I saw some of the black queens in, I said, you know what? Black is beautiful. I just loved, mm. I loved seeing all the black excellence together. And not only because, because I don't want to make it feel like every time we do something good is to fight the man and the negative stereotypes. No, sometimes it's just good to see people who look like you thriving and having a good time together and putting on an excellent mm. show. It was beautiful to me. And I wondered, and I'll admit when I was younger, I did just, honestly, I think the Grammys and the Oscars were the two. Like, I remember sitting down and watching that with my family, talking about it at school the next day. But I don't remember doing that as much with the NAACP. I don't know why. And I'm curious, like, is it always during Black History Month? Because I thought that was very much a vibe. Mm. Like little things like that. I heard that they have done some new things with it and it seems to be getting bigger. So I wondered, is it truly becoming more elevated or am I just now tuned in because of my big age and my interests? have changed a little bit. Um, we didn't get the answer to that question, but we did get a juicy debate between Sharika and Evie. I will say I too, and I'm here for it. The NAACP, like, I think they probably haven't had as many years doing mm. these things as, you know, the Oscars and things that have been around for a lot longer. So no, they have. I'm saying, they, you think they've been out the same year the Oscars? We couldn't even do How all these How many Oscars things. we don't have? You know what? I'm going to hit the Google. I'm saying, for, I was I'm just saying, about to say, let me hit the Google. They've been, NAACP been here literally since like the NAACP started. Like it's been since the 60s. It's just, we don't give attention to the things that we say we care about. But that's normal. The Oscars mm, been before the fair. 60s. The Oscars okay, have been the, before the uh, 60s. Academy Awards was 1929. And well, now let me see about one. the grammars. <laughs> uh, let's see about, and then I'll see the Grammys too. How many Grammys. I want to say it's like the 60th something year. Yeah, this year was the 63rd Grammy, and then for the Oscars, it'll be like 93. And now let's see how many years in NAACP. Like 54 or 55. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, Wait, wait, wait. Okay, that's the organization. I was about to say, not since 1909. That's the organization. No, no, no. That's the organization. The the award show, like the 50s. It's in the 50s. Well, to Evie's point, that is kind of right in line. It's like, oh, yeah, the honors have been given since it looks like 1944. Wow. Okay. And, been doing it since, and the other one was 1909 or 19... What was no, it? no, no. 1909 is when the NAACP was established, according to my quick Google. I don't know if that was a reputable source, so don't hold me to it. 1929 is when the Academy Awards started. 63 years ago is when the Grammy started. And... I need to do the math. 
2023 minus 1944 is when the NAACP award started. So to EB's point, it is up to our community to put it on that same level. So like I said, I would talk about the Grammys and the Oscars growing up, but I don't really remember talking about the NAACP awards are being in really on in tune with that event until I was much older, probably 20s. Like, it's the same thing even for us, right? Like, if you go ask an average kid, and I'm saying an average kid, like, if, especially for those of us who are listening, if you know people of African descent in your family or in your realm of influence, ask them, hey, if you if you got a chance to go to two two schools for college, if they're a college person, ask them what schools they'll say. And it's rare, not for all of them, but it's rare that people just say, I'm going to a Jackson State or I'm going to FAMU or I'm going to A&T. Like, it's just not something that we promote in and through ourselves as a whole. Now, I'm not saying one parent or two parent don't put that on their kids because like, hey, we went to HBCU, you go go to HBCU. Like, but that's just not common. You ask them, hey, if you can go get any clothing line in the world, you can go to any store, what store is you maxing out where you can buy whatever you want? Everybody is likely, not everybody, I'm saying specifically, now I don't want to put no generalization, but you're going to see common trends of, oh, I'm going to the Louis store, I'm going to Gucci store, I'm going bu- buying a whole bunch of stuff. Like, Whoa, it's not a- I was thinking about, I was like, I'm going to Publix. Shoot. See, I'm saying, but the average person is not thinking about somebody of African descent who created, right. in a sense, something similar. You ask people, hey, let's go on a trip, not financially, like not saying, hey, you like, hey, I'm paying for the trip. We can go wherever we want. Most times, not everybody. And it's partially because people just love relaxing and there's nothing wrong with the islands. But people are going to be like, oh, I'm going to one of the islands. Some of them will even say they're going to Hawaii. And I'm like, I would go to like Antigua or Anguilla or Trinidad and Tobago before I would do that. But like, it's rare where you're going to hear somebody say, I'm going to Senegal. I'm going to Ghana. I'm going to Tanzania. I'm going to like, because of just the stuff that we are fed. Now you go to other parts mm. of the world, you go to other parts of the world, that is like what you're going to see. Like on news, they weren't blasting the NAACP awards like they were blasting the Oscars. And when they do blast the Oscars or the Grammys or anything like that, they're going to blast Will Smith slapping old boy. Like they're not <laughs> blasting the highlights of what happens. Like for us, we saw some of the back background scenes, but like what would it have looked like for society? Not just like I'm saying society as a whole, not just the mainstream media, not just news outlets, but we as a whole, if we put more focus into Denzel and Tyler Perry calming Will Smith down, like I, like what would have happened in the world? Like, OK, naturally, emotions will get the best of the people. But how do we find a way to harness those aggressions? How do we find a way to hold people accountable? How do we find a way to come alongside someone? How do we find a way to somebody talking to Chris Rock in the background? Like, dang, that sucks that it happened that way. Whatever those things are, because even when I look at some of the people who won awards, like these are some of the people that most of us, we brag about all the time, like uh, Angela Bassett, like uh, or um, the show P Valley, the um, Nizzo anime. Um, Abbott Elementary, I think we talked about that, and I think they even won an award. One of the mm-hmm, greatest yeah. female actors, aka greatest actors of all time, with Viola Davis winning the Woman King, which that's a recommendation. That's an amazing movie, and it was good to see family members um, have a chance to watch that together. Where like twenty or thirty of my cousins was at one of my cousins' house, and they all watched that, which was dope because that's not something that we typically do as a family. I wasn't there, but it was just good to see the pictures of it. Will Smith, even after his stuff, to win an award. Um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever won an award. Um, Angela Bassett won over, which is crazy. Not crazy, but just to win Entertainer of the Year over Mary J. Blige, um, Quinta Brunson, Viola Davis, and Zendaya. But like, these are top people who win, but we just aren't feeding. We're not being fed that, let's say one, but also we're not taking 
the intentionality of ourselves to dive into those spaces where people who look like us are represented and highlighted and magnified. Like, um, and I don't want to take it too far off a topic, but like here in America, you go look at TikTok where people are getting shown all the violence, all the crazy dance stuff, X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. Like looking at a video and looking at a article on what our, you could say our Asian brothers and sisters do in China, where they're only showing them like the world's greatest gymnasts, where they're only showing them the world's greatest doctors, where they're only showing them the people who are doing good in society, so to speak, helping a, a, or lending a hand to someone else where it's not this free for all where you could just browse whatever you want on TikTok and have your day. Um, so when you get fed certain things, that's the only thing that you naturally will project out. And I think that's what we see with like the Oscars or the Grammys and some of those major award shows that we tend to highlight a little more often than others. I agree with you, EB. And I say that it all goes back to the dollars and cents of it all because who is controlling these major networks are there people of color not mm, back in the day so it's the pe- so the people who have the money is saying what is valuable so that's why those things have been highlighted because now we're getting to a place now where we're getting into where people of color are getting into these rooms and are getting to be a part of the production and things like that but it wasn't always that way we just talked about how you know it's like the first person, you know, um, the the Will Smith one. We talked about how it was a black man producing that show. These because these things are still new. So back in the times where we weren't the where we weren't in those rooms and didn't have the ability to be the tastemakers or what say what what it what's what or what's valuable. So yeah, if I'm like if all the black people get together. So I do do agree that we need to celebrate our own stuff and we need to highlight our own stuff. But the reason we weren't because we didn't have the money to and we didn't have the money to back the things that we thought were excellent and amazing and great. We had to go with where the people had the money. That's fair. But to EB's point, there are some things that we can do to boost influence, even though we don't have the majority dollar. And I, I think, think about, we're for example, Juneteenth. Like, but when I was younger, I don't remember companies and Mm-mm, high school cafeterias, no. even though those cafeterias did not do the right thing in some of these schools with the chicken and waffles and the watermelon on the menu. But I just don't remember anyone outside of my mom, really, and her little circle friends caring about the Juneteenth, but our voices were loud. And listen, my company has a whole Juneteenth plan and week and all that. And I'm like, okay. But we didn't need to, you know, get become the CEO of, of, you know, CBS to make it a thing. It was the voice. So I, to your point and to Evie's point, I think on both sides, there is some responsibility on, within our community to, to dictate what is important. But also it does help when we have the money. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I agree. I, I agree. We do need to amplify the things that are important to us, but also, you know, it. it we, we. I feel like we're getting to that place. I feel like we're getting there. Yeah. Woo! What a juicy little episode. Loved it. Any other comments about Black History Month or highlights from February in general? Before I move into the scripture for this week. Love being black. That's all I have. 
Just a I, continued reminder that Black history is American history. And though we mm, acknowledge it and mm. reference it during the month of February, which I want to say thank you to whoever, um, you American people, you European Americans, to identify which month we would use. And you give us the shortest month and you also mm-hmm. give us a month that is filled with a ton of business, like four or five different award shows, football Super Bowls, and All-Star Weekend for basketball, a whole bunch of other distractions. Um, but we just say we appreciate you, but just know we'll continue to support and represent Black History Month from now until the end of time every mm-hmm. month and whenever we feel like it, um, because that's just how things are for people of African descent. And it's just so many contributions that people who of African descent have made to this nation and to the greater world as a whole. Um, and I don't want to go down a laundry list of things, but you could just Google it like inventions by black people and you'll see all types of things from traffic lights to the filament and the light bulbs to I want to say hair hair um hair blowers and all just it's so many different things that you know some of what we would see as everyday things were contributed to or they had contributions for from a person of African descent and it's crazy especially for like somebody who is deeply embedded with racism like they're coming to a traffic like not knowing that they were just told to stop by a black person helping to make that um and i know people don't always think that deep but it's like just get that hate out your heart and do better in life and i want to say if you do have hate in your heart or if you are a racist it's a good chance that you won't be in heaven and it sucks for you absolutely and my book in is um i know i seem to come down hard on white people I come down hard on ignorance and it doesn't matter what color your skin is. It just so happens to be that there have been a lot of ignorant people who happen to be white in today's rant. Um, and I just love the beauty of diversity. I'm glad that not everybody is white. Not everybody is black. Not everybody is Asian. Like I, I love that. I like mm-hmm. what God did with that. And within that diversity, I feel happy and proud to be black. From our hair to our swag, I just, I mean, I love it. And I I know the Dilbert creators, the survey was, is it okay to be white? I'm a black person that would have responded yes. Mm-hmm. I know most of us said no, and they had their reasons for saying no, but it is okay. It's okay to be white, and it's okay to be black. It's okay to be you. And that's that. Oh, but you know what's not okay? What's not Trying okay? to show out in the church. And we're going to go straight to Exodus, <laughs> verse 26 for today's reading. I actually might start at verse 24 just to set the tone because, you know, the people have been, well, the people, the Israelites have been delivered from the tyranny of the Egyptians and now they're getting the word from God for how to live their life to, you know, according to God's holy ordinances. So he's telling them all these really important details and starting at verse 24, he says, Build for me an altar made of earth and offer your sacrifices to me, your burnt offerings and peace offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Build my altar wherever I cause my name to be remembered and I will come to you and bless you. Verse 25, if you use stones to build my altar, use only natural uncut stones. Do not shape the stones with a tool for that would make the altar unfit for holy use. Verse 26, and... Do not approach my altar by going up the steps. If you do, someone might look under your clothing and see your nakedness. And that's very happy for us. God is saying, listen, when you're in the church, when your 
you're coming to do the things for me amongst the people, make sure, you know, there's no, uh, what do they say? A twig and two berries. Um, <laughs> no little purring cat. No little uh, two niplets. We can't be exposing the nakedness in front of the people. That was the Garden of Eden. We have fallen out. Everybody's eyes are open. Cover up. I just thought that was hilarious. And all like Exodus 20, it has like, we're talking the Ten Commandments and all these like really important, like thou shalt not kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't cover your neighbor's wife. And also, if you're going up the steps, make sure you have underwear on. Because if you don't don't have all the underwear, people are going to see it and they're going to be distracted. I just thought that was hilarious. I don't know why I've never thought about the history of underwear. I just assumed since the Garden of Eden, everybody had it. But I guess not. I guess over there in the Holy Land, it's hot. They wanted a little breeze under the clothes. And God was like, that's cool and everything. But just don't take the steps. I thought that was great. Evie, what are you expounding on today? I am expounding on people um, to continue to give individuals the opportunity to work remote. Um, And I know some people are like, here he go talking about remote work again. Remote work again. This is why I think it's important, whether you want to believe it or not. Pre-pandemic, pre, pre, I'm going to say it one more time, pre Y'all got that pre pre pandemic. Mm-hmm. There were about eight million students who were staying home from school, and I'm not talking about staying home like missing a day or two. I'm talking about possibly missing anywhere between eighteen to thirty days of school pre pandemic. They say they missed anywhere between ten to fifteen percent of the school days, and I don't know how other states are, but at least in Florida, it's usually 180 days. So that's why I got the 18 to 30, 10 to 15 percent. You can do the math. You figure that out on your own. Post pandemic, looking at anywhere between 20 to 24 million kids who are staying home. Many of them have shifted to online learning and others are just, I guess you can say out of sight, out of mind, just don't care. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if you think about it, these kids aren't going to school. Most of them aren't working, which means all they'll really know is home. And if some of them do shift into going to school, right, what you'll get with some of them is, and I say going to school as in doing their school virtually, doing virtual learning, that's all they're going to know. It's going to be really hard to adapt someone into a working environment where their life essentially changes. Many people are not necessarily introverts, but many people do prefer the peace and the confinement in their own space. For some people, that's home. For some people, that's travel. For some people, that's in their car. For some, that's at a local park or local Starbucks. But if their work is getting done, then I think that that's all that matters. So if you're thinking of what goes forward, if you're a leader and you're thinking of job projections in the future, we already see some of the crazy stuff that robots and AI can do already do for people or the amount of places. Like I never thought my Publix would turn into a Walmart where there's no physical cashiers. And I say that like right now at one of my Publix that we go to, it's only three physical, well, two lanes and then a the customer service. So that's why I say three physical people who can actually check you out. And all of the rest is you on your own, you bagging your own stuff. You And, and part of me is like, dang, so like, what are they doing with these employees? Like have they just lost a job or are they stuck in the back because rotating stuff or stocking or all of that might be just moving stuff out quicker. 
I want to challenge you to start thinking of the future. And as you think to be more innovative, if you think of taking the initiative as a leader, you have to be critical of what is likely to come. And if you're in a role or a space where you can't do things virtually or you don't have machines that can execute the tasks or the productivity at hand, it's really important for you to find a way to retain your top quality employees because it's not just passing the job on to someone else who wants to do it. You might not have a person available to do it and not everywhere, but we know for some of our people, Mm. leaders aren't willing to do the work that needs to be done to Mm. get things done. So I just want to challenge you guys with that. That's what I have for you guys. I'm not going to kill y'all, not going to draw it out. But yeah, please, please, please be mindful of the way things are in this great world of ours. And consider remote work. Definitely do that. <laughs> I'm going to start off with my recommend and I'm going to pass it to one of you guys. This is something that I I enjoy watching but I still can't fully grasp the thought and the idea of it. And I mentioned it, I believe I even recommended it before, but because season four is dropping this month in March, maybe you either weren't listening to the pod at the time, or maybe you were and you never went to go watch it. So I want to throw it back out there. It's on Netflix and it's called Love is Blind. Love is Blind. Season four comes out on March 24th, but if you haven't watched it, season one, two, and three are out. And it's essentially... Just imagine, right, never meeting someone like in person, so to speak, and trusting that their personality matches with yours and you're engaged and you're set to get married. And that's the day, in a sense, you kind of get married on day one of meeting them. And the, the big thing is, will a person's personality override their physical preference? or their physical appearance. So that's what I'm recommending for you guys. Love is Blind on Netflix. Check it out. I've not heard of that. And I'm shocked because that seems right up my alley. Mm-hmm. I have a recommend. Uh, something I watched. Uh, it came out around the Christmas time, but I just now caught it. It's on Disney Plus. And so if you're a fan of Enchanted, they have Disenchanted. And uh, so if you uh, want something to watch that is family friendly and cute, watch Disenchanted on Disney Plus. Is, is that a cartoon or what I no, used to call um, um, a it, people movie? <laughs> no, 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 that's not a cartoon. Well, the original started was basically a fairy tale characters come into the real world. And Enchanted. So it was like a cartoon. Then she came into the real world. She became like a real, you know. She was like a real person. Well, this one is like the part two. So it's it's more real characters than like cartoon. It's not a cartoon. Oh, it has a redheaded actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And Patrick Dempsey from Grey's Anatomy. Love it. Guy is the man. Okay. Well, I'm going to recommend, I know it's, well, no, we've recommended other podcasts up here before, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. All right, I want to recommend a podcast called Plain English. Um, it's with Derek Thompson. Mm-hmm. I want to recognize. I recognize. I want to recommend a specific episode called "Happiness in America: The Secret to a Good Quote Unquote Life." I love this episode. They talked about the dangers of being overly productive 
And I definitely lean more to the side of like my rest is getting things done, checking things off the list. Never really thought about it, but they talked about how this is actually becoming um, another anxious condition for mm. Americans because we're constantly living in the future. And I like to think carpe diem, but they're right. When you're in kindergarten, it's about high school. When you're in high school, it's about college. And, and you're always reaching for that thing. And the way he talked about it, he said a lot of times that's because we're so afraid of being finite and just death. So we're always just doing, mm. doing, doing and thinking about, oh, I'm going to accomplish this and we'll accomplish that because it, it helps us to feel in control. Meanwhile, life is passing us by. I'm not describing it as great as they did. So I encourage you guys to check it out. It really made me, it was a cause for me to pause. Like, what is this thing? Like I was talking about on a couple of episodes ago, how I'm so close to getting our mortgage paid off. But then I was talking, I was already anxious talking to my husband about something else. I was like, okay, now we have to focus on the car. We need to do this for the car. And it's like, you're not even, I wasn't even taking a moment to enjoy this other big thing that happened. Because then I asked myself, okay, after the car is paid off, then what? Well, we have to get my husband a car. But then what? You know, is is it always going to be something? Will you not just ever rest? And it goes back to the words of Jesus when he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own. Mm. So Jesus was trying to get us to already grasp this concept of, you know, worry about today's bread our daily bread. He didn't say, you know, give us tomorrow's bread, today's bread. So check that out. I thought it has some great things in it. And that's what we got. Definitely. Um, for those of you who don't know, and I will close out with this, March is typically Disability Awareness Month. So I'm going to leave mm. you with a quote on disability as we start off this month of March. And to just think about your fellow brothers and sisters who um, don't always have the same, op- and, I, and I say opportunities for those of you who may be um, in this category or you identify as a, I want to say use the word, disabled individual or you have some form of disabilities so don't think i'm diminishing who you are as an individual Uh, and i know sometimes when people do those disclaimer that's kind of like what they're trying to do but it's like they don't always have the same opportunities as other people and you know and i say that in a way of not necessarily maximizing their own potential but like if i go up to a building that's you know let's say 10 feet high but there's no ada accessible ramp or there's no elevator then it's going to be a little more challenging, not necessarily impossible. Like I've seen people do it, um, whether it's videos or watching people maneuver it or them like literally hopping on a wheelchair one leg at a time, like where one wheel at a time up until they get to where they're trying to go or people come alongside and helping them by picking it all the way up and getting them to where it needs to be. But a quote by Helen Keller that really caught my eye today. And I was just like, oh, like, is this because I saw somebody else posting like, oh, it is um, National Disability Awareness Month. But it just really got me. And I think we can um, see how we as the kickback family or the kickbackers, how we can fall into this category. Never bend your head. Always hold it high. Look the world straight in the eye. So our challenge to you is to always just hold your head up no matter what challenges may come your way. I'm one of those people who always used to struggle in church when people say, close your eyes and bow your head. And I'm like, where do we see that in scripture? But that's another story. I know people typically say <laughs> it's so you can minimize distractions and like distractions from who? Like if we all about to pray, what distractions should be happening? Like we can, we, we close, we open our eyes to talk to each other. You tell me to make eye contact when I'm talking to you. Like, well, I can't, well, I got to close my eyes to pray. But, you know, just Dead. keep your head up. 
Um, do what you do. I, I usually keep my eyes open for those people who pray. So if you have a prayer around me, just know my eyes typically gonna be open because not necessarily distracted. I just love people watching. So our challenge is for you to just stay focused at the task at hand and keep on being the great individual that you are. As always, if life tries to knock you down, make sure you kick back. Until next time.